Thank you for the song. Let's have a word of prayer as we get into the Bible this morning. Father in heaven, once again we pause to say thank you for being a really, really good communicator. (laughs) You're able to make this Bible that has been around for years, you're able to use me, you're able to use the cameras and the internet, you're able to use everybody's ears and brains here. May you speak to us from the Bible to encourage us to keep trusting you. We ask it in your generous name, Jesus. Amen. So we continue our series through the sanctuary. Today we're looking at the gate. The gate as you enter the sanctuary. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. We'll start in verse 13 and 14. <coughs> Matthew 7, 13 and 14. This uh, context starts in chapter 5 and goes all the way through chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. This is what people call Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Beatitudes, and etc., that start in chapter 6. But if you were later today, do a reading of all these chapters, 5, 6, and 7, um, you'd see they're all read. It's all Jesus speaking 99% of the time. And he doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't leave. Same day, same setting, same context. And he's speaking to a group of church people like us, people that appreciated the Ten Commandments. As you go through chapter 5, you'll keep keep noticing that he keeps saying, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, over and over and over. Uh, Verse uh, 17, 21, 27, 33, 38, 43, and many other verses. He keeps telling the audience, now you've heard it said before. And the reason he's allowed to say that, like any other person when they're talking, the only way you can say, now you've heard it said before, is if the other person has heard it said before. <clears throat> because he's speaking to the disciples, and he's speaking to a group that are all rem- first, remnant, uh, uh, first remnant believers, churchgoers in, in the Jewish church. And uh, they were familiar with church in Moses' sanctuary. They, had to, they were encouraged to go every week, just like we are. But then they also especially were encouraged to go on the feast days throughout the year, etc. They were very well and very familiar with Moses' tabernacle and the principles taught there, at least to some extent. So as Jesus is speaking to this well-informed uh, uh, biblical group, <coughs> he continues his discussion that starts in chapter 5. And we pick it up in chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He tells that group, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, the words of Jesus here, as I said, were, to his disciples and to and the church people. And as I read this, and I've, I've obviously noted these verses for years and have shared it in other pulpits and in small groups, and I find it interesting that, that he, he's, he's talking about two groups and, and talking about some in the small group that leads to heaven and the others that are in the wide group that, that don't. Um, interesting enough, years ago, uh, I don't remember which country it was in, but years ago, that's where, that's where um, cities got that name. You know, like some, some cities, you have it, it's, it's called First Street or Second Street, or, or and then now sometimes they name the street after a, a president, and, 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 and some streets have the name Broadway, and this is where it comes from, because on Broadway years ago, that's where they put the inappropriate businesses, because it, this is where they got the idea from things that were inappropriate, were in the Broadway. And that's literally, oh, those, we don't like those businesses. And they literally called that street in that town Broadway. Um, quite interesting. Anyway, as Jesus is talking about this, his initial audience, because they, were, uh, because they went to church and they were Jewish and they were taught, unfortunately, they were taught that um, they would all be saved um, uh, 
two reasons. One, because they literally had Abraham in their blood. And the other reason was <coughs> they thought if they were obedient to Moses, you know, the, the, their, you know the, the, the Bible, and if they're obedient to the Word of God and Moses, they'd be saved. Now, that sounds appealing <coughs> uh, in a way, to, at least to some people it might sound appealing, and it might really sound strange coming from a pastor uh, that I'm about to say that's actually terribly toxic and unhealthy because it's a subtle way of saying you're saved based on your behavior. And some people who are confused and thinking that's a good thing, well, they, well, it's good behavior. What's wrong with good behavior? There's nothing wrong with good behavior. That's why it's called good behavior. But fortunately, good behavior doesn't save us. And unfortunately, the initial audience thought that their good behavior saved them. They were convinced Jesus was confused because, well, everybody listening back then as he's speaking on the Mount of Olives would have been in the narrow way. All of us, I mean, we're all in God's first remnant. How in the world could anybody in God's remnant not go to heaven automatically? Um, we're doing our best to be good people. Um, and I wish in the over two decades that I've been a minister, uh, I wish that the story would have changed from 2,000 years ago to today. <laughs> but as I've been in other countries and most of the states and given seminars in other, country, in other states and, uh, and in other countries and small groups and preached and been to other places, I, 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 I go through this study and I ask people, there's many ways to ask it, what does, the, what does the narrow way represent? Like if you're looking at the screen, you'd look around the sanctuary, there's only one way in. It's narrow. <laughs> and what's that narrow way represent? And unfortunately, most people, not everybody, but the majority of people uh, use their own words, but the majority of people use their own words to describe something that has to do with their behavior. <laughs> Meaning, their behavior gets them through the narrow way that leads to heaven. Uh, I've literally had people, and I won't say the person's name, it's in a, it was years ago, it's in another state, God helped this person. It was even a family member. So I'm not picking on any of you. I'm picking on my own family. I come from an imperfect family. Family member thought, oh, it's sinful. Um, and God's paying attention. It will, it will make it difficult for your um, salvation. It's inappropriate if you eat toast. <coughs> and, and yeah, my English, I'm speaking clearly. Toast. Bread in a toaster. <clears throat> Some people think it's inappropriate to eat various types of bread. I've known people that literally said, oh, you can it only, dis I mean, come on, we know you can only have distilled water. I've had people tell me this. I've had people say <clears throat> that the only way uh, it's going to affect, sorry, uh, it's going to affect um, Approximately 55% of you, or, or depending on what church you're in, maybe not as much here because we try to aim to be more balanced than Jesus, but I've heard people literally say, it affects a woman's salvation if you wear pants. I'm not understanding that, never found that in the Bible, <clears throat> but some well-meaning remnant people have verbalized that in public. <laughs> I've also had well-meaning people verbalize in public that, um, that uh, how can I put this appropriately, that men um, are making really bad choices if they're not always in suit and tie. And yet my response would be, if you read Math, uh, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 makes it look like Jesus didn't look very amazing. And if there's one human that goes into heaven, comes out, goes back, and comes out, and goes wherever he wants and will take people to heaven, he never, ever, ever wasted money buying a tie or wearing one. And you can go read Isaiah 53 yourself. Isaiah 53 makes it sound like he was just, at best, very average. <coughs> and remember, Judah stole money. So there's no excuse like, well, you know, he didn't have money. I, that's no excuse. People were giving them money. That's why Judas had something to steal. He could have went and bought that. All the other religious leaders in his day were wearing fancy shoes, the most fancy and elaborate clothes. So when they walked in, everybody said, 
wow, I bet they must be an Advent. I mean, I bet they must be a, a Jewish person and really like God. Why? Because they want everybody's attention. They're spending extra money that's not necessary on their clothes. Wow, I bet God really helps them get just, you know, a little bit closer to heaven. And my shoes are from Walmart, so these aren't too impressive. <laughs> I think they cost me a whole $14. And, and, the, and the things that some of you have heard, and the things that, that I have heard, that gets people saved or might take you out <laughs> is profound. I've had people tell me you can't ride a bike on Saturday. I've had tell, people tell me you can't, you can't be in the water water. You can, I always found this amazing being raised in Montana. <coughs> People said it's okay to move your legs and walk on a hike in the mountains. In Montana, you, you hike because you have mountains here. You just kind of walk around. There's some mountains, but there we were allowed to walk up a hill, but in water, you couldn't move your same legs because water was around you instead of air. It's not in the Bible, but somehow that's really, you've just clearly crossed over and that's not appropriate. And we laugh, but there's people who today still think these things. People still think these things. I still bump into people that tell me, literally, <coughs> when I've asked this question, how does a person get through that narrow gate knowing the narrow gate leads to heaven? And people will say things like, well, I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to keep the commandments. I'm, all of them. And so I'm kind and careful. And I think, well, meaning, so you're trying really hard um, because your behavior is factored into getting to heaven. Yes. The most, you might think some of those examples are extreme. <coughs> um, the most extreme um, situation I've ever experienced personally, not just heard of from others, but personally. <coughs> back in, was back in 2002 approximately in the country of New Zealand. Uh, a wonderful experience. <coughs> I met my wife. I think she's out there greeting right now. I'd met her. Um, I just started a new church. Um, she was the first person I met. <coughs> um, and I thought, oh, this can be a good experience. She was the per first person I met. Two months later, uh, I was still happy from meeting her and thinking, oh, this might be a wonderful experience. And God worked it out that I went over to New Zealand with a mentor of mine. New Zealand, it's expensive to get there. It takes like 23 hours to fly there. <laughs> but if you have the money and the time, wow, is it gorgeous. People were so nice. The food is yummy. Had an awesome experience. <clears throat> but while I was there, or before I got there, I think it was about 2002, there was this, um, this couple, um, and um, they, how can we put this, they, they went to a denomination you'd be extremely familiar with, um, and they uh, made a choice to be vegetarian, which there's nothing wrong with. According to the Bible, there's actually four meal plans, four different menus you can choose from according to the Bible, <coughs> of which vegetarianism is one of them. And they chose that. And some of my closest family and friends and dear people are vegetarian. I love them. Uh, I, I know atheist athletes who are, are vegetarian. There's benefits to it. So there's nothing wrong with being vegetarian. <coughs> um, Jesus wasn't. Um, he ate fish. And he, he always told the Jewish people to eat lamb at Passover. And so, so you don't have to be vegetarian. But some people choose to be, and that's, that's fantastic. Their challenge was they had tied what they ate to their salvation. <coughs> Carrots are awesome. I was raised in a, with a huge garden and, and fruits, and it's, I love it. But fortunately, I was taught that carrots and broccoli and, and tomatoes don't save me. <laughs> but unfortunately, this couple thought that food was a part of their salvation. <coughs> and so they were really hardline vegetarians. Um, uh, which, if you want to do that on your own, I don't recommend it because human behavior is not tied to salvation. <laughs> but but the, that our, our personal beliefs are rarely personal. As we live life, they affect our spouse and our kids and the people we work with and everything else. 
<laughs> and so uh, because they were having this hard line, they had a baby and their baby wasn't getting the nutrients it needed. <laughs> and, the, and their family, and their, well, not so much their family, but some of their friends and other people in the community would say, oh my word, your baby's really, oh my word, your baby's health is in trouble. And we're making a stand for Jesus. They, they, thought, they thought they were literally doing God a favor. Um, this is also in, in, the, in the Gospel of John, where, where God says, near the end of the world, people will think they're doing you a favor as they persecute and do inappropriate things. But anyway, they thought they were doing God a favor. <coughs> and, um, and so the, the New Zealand government sued them and took them to court. It's like, your baby, this is not good. Anyway, long story short, lots of other painful, sad, sad details New Zealand government sued them, took them to court, but you know, the, you know, going through all the fun legal process um, takes time, and they didn't have time to get through it all, and so the baby died. The baby died. Um, and uh, fast forward, when I went there in March of 2003, approximately a year or more later, <clears throat> when my mentor and I were there, uh, we were doing a, it was more him, but there, a seminar being taught there at their church over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, and of all places, my mentor, knowing this, knowing this, <laughs> um, as a friend of mine keeps reminding uh, myself, uh, God wants us to continue to learn how to be comfortable in, with the discomfort. And so Jesus was a master of this. Jesus knew where he was going. Jesus knew every step he was getting closer to his death on the cross. And if Jesus is in you, every step, if you're a Christian, every step gets you closer to death, to sin, and selfishness, <clears throat> and closer to Jesus, which means you get the experiences Jesus had, which is kind of awesome because that means heaven and good stuff, but that also means you get treated poorly often like Jesus did. But anyway, so my mentor was like, we're staying at their house. So the, so the people, after their baby died, they got put in jail. And so when we went to give the seminar, we were staying in the home of their family members. <coughs> and of course, they were at the seminar. We talked to them and prayed with them and pleaded with them to look at Jesus. And... Um, and they still, after everything that happened, still were convinced that, that food was tied to salvation and they thought they were doing God a favor. And, and I remember like it was yesterday as we were leaving their church and there was at least, I don't know, may, maybe a dozen and a half adult people educated, smart, some of them owned businesses and farms and <laughs> read their Bibles and read Ellen White and read their quarterly and checked every little box that, that you've been taught to special. And as we were leaving that weekend, it just, I just get chills as I'm thinking about it. Almost a dozen and a half of those people were crying, weeping, and, and literally begging my mentor and I to stay longer and help them learn in the Bible how to be saved because they didn't know that they were saved. I just think, man, what are they doing in their churches that they think carrots get them to heaven? Yet when Jesus extends his hand, that's not enough. John 14, 6. <clears throat> the words of Jesus. <clears throat> he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me. That's the reason why in Moses' gate it was narrow. <clears throat> That's why in, in Matthew 7, Jesus refers to it as a narrow way because the way to God is described as narrow, not because we have to narrow our lifestyle down so boring that we can't hardly do anything in life. It's narrow because it represents one thing, Jesus, only Jesus. 
<clears throat> and some people, I've heard people say this too, often. Well, pastor, doesn't it say somewhere, <laughs> doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible, um, well, it was Jesus, right? It was Jesus. Didn't Jesus say, only those who do, only those who do my will will enter heaven. That sounds like a lot of work. That's how, I mean, that, that's how we got to do something. And that's interesting because in our original context, the Mount of Olives, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, it happens in the exact same context. That's where he says it. So if you want, you can turn with me in your Bible or smartphone and read this with me. We'll quote the actual Bible. <laughs> Matthew 7, 21, 2, and 3. This is literally, we just read about the narrow and wide gate in verse 13 to 14, so it's clearly the same context. Verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Man, ooh, that sounds like a lot of work. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we perform miracles? that would be a person who'd be saved. Amen. How many of you know? How many of you know someone who's cast out a demon? How many of you know someone who's done a miracle? How many of you have know personally someone who's a prophet? Some, some of those people will actually be lost. So apparently it isn't about works because that's a pretty impressive list of work. But in verse 23, Jesus' words, not mine, I will declare to them, I never knew you. But we knew a lot of information. We were really impressive. Look what I did. He's like, no, 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 back up. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. But I knew information. I had information. I did some good stuff. I ate carrots. And in my silly little sarcastic human way, I'd say, well, Jesus ate fish and he's in heaven. Be vegetarian. Eat raw. Eat. Pick a biblical diet. <laughs> but food isn't getting you to heaven. They cast out demons. Some of them were prophets. They did miracles. He's like, I, do I know you? Verse 23, I will declare to some of them, I never knew you. Depart from me, <clears throat> you who practice lawlessness. He just mentioned awesome practices. Why is he saying practicing lawlessness? Because they did it themselves. Remember, Christians are supposed to be dead to self. And any good thing that comes out of a Christian is God through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through you. So it would be Jesus doing ministry through you so it's righteous. If we're doing it, even if it seems like a good thing, what does the Old Testament say? Even our best stuff is like filthy rags. Oops. And they were convinced if they did some good stuff, God would take that into account when he'd treat them well because they tried really hard. <clears throat> God is making it quite clear. Good things don't get you in heaven. And someone who's stubborn might even go out a step further and say, well, <clears throat> maybe Jesus didn't quite mean it. How can someone cast out demons and do a prophecy and do miracles? How can they do these things if they're, if they're not in Jesus? Well, the Bible has several examples. One is Numbers 22. Remember Numbers 22 where God did a miracle and a donkey spoke. And a don God used a donkey to convict Balaam. The donkey's not going to be in heaven. Or how about Luke 22? Luke 22, um, Jesus did a miracle and had a rooster make a sound three times to convict Peter, a disciple. The rooster's not going to heaven. <coughs> or Matthew 10. In Matthew 10, it's really clear. Jesus gave all the disciples, and there's no wiggle room. He named, God is so good at communicating. God names every disciple. He even names, yes, he even names that one, Judas. Jesus gave Judas the ability to go into communities and say, oh, you should accept Jesus. I don't like him or trust him. And he gave him the ability <coughs> to do miracles and cast out demons. But the Bible's really quite clear. He didn't accept Jesus by faith. He didn't like Jesus, and he won't be in heaven. 
Because getting to heaven is not based on information and it's not based on human behavior or Jesus would be alone. When he says, he gives us a clue in Matthew 7, verse 23, when he says, I never knew you. To the, to the discerning mind, to the spiritual mind, because Jesus loves to do things and think about it in a spiritual context. <clears throat> He's talking about it in a spiritual context. What do I mean? Um, if you go back to places like Genesis 4.1, the, the first time this principle, this spiritual principle pops up, <clears throat> in Genesis 4.1, um, this is when Adam knew, same word, to know, in the, in the, in the Hebrew it's, called, it's the word yada. And uh, when Adam had a honeymoon, as I often say, as Adam knew his wife Eve, nine months later they had a baby. Well, how'd that happen? Adam got to know Eve. Well, come on now. That's what the Genesis 4 1 says. Adam just got to know Eve. <coughs> now, when you want your kids to go to the library and get to know some things so they can pass their test, America is very different than the Bible illustra- illustration. America thinks of head knowledge, and I'm going to memorize a fact. This is true, or it's false, or it's A, or it's B, and too many of us forget it after the test. The Bible doesn't teach that. It's not head knowledge. This is honeymoon. When Adam knew Eve, it was very close, very personal, very intimate, a very different experience. And this is what Jesus is referring to. Hey, 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 you tried to go out and do some stuff, and uh, you knew some stuff, but you weren't close, personal, and intimate, like Adam and Eve, like on a honeymoon. He said, we don't have that kind of an experience. That's what gets people to heaven, by accepting Jesus by faith, where we love and trust and appreciate him like a husband and wife on their honeymoon. It's like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I can't believe we get to be together forever. This is awesome. This is what Jesus is referring to. And they were, they were missing it, at least some of those people. If you re- keep reading this context in Matthew 7, verse, say, 13 to the end of uh, Matthew 7, if you keep reading that context, you'll see how uh, how how, how can I word it, how um, on the outside, externally, how it's possible those who are in the narrow way or the wide way, those who are saved and those who are not, on the outside, how possible it is on the outside to look the same. Because <laughs> whether you're lost or, you know, if you're a church person, whether you're actually like Jesus or not, both people want to live forever. All the Jewish people that wanted to kill Jesus wanted to live forever. Judas wanted to live forever. And so did the people that were saved. On the outside, both people can look good. Judas looked better than all the disciples. One minor problem, he didn't like Jesus. Both groups can have prophets. I've bumped into people who were false prophets, lots of them. I've even had recently a couple of other pastors talk to me about it and ask me to pray with them and help them through it because there's false prophets out there. Wild. Can you imagine? I've even met people who've had real dreams from God and it comes true and it's convicting. And when you get that phone call, your hair stands up. It's like, whoa, how did you know so-and-so is going to have an affair in a week? Woo! The lost and the saved, both can have prophets. Imagine that. Both can bear fruit. Both can pray. Both can do ministry. Both can hear the words of Jesus. Before God called me to be a, a minister, I was getting a business degree in marketing, and I was going to an, a, an atheist school, basically. But they still taught Old Testament, New Testament, and the Gospels. And, and you said, well, professor, uh, did, or a classmate, now have you, have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? No, 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 no. What, what, but you're hearing the words, oh yeah, it's, 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 oh, it's, it's great poetry. You're saying, wow, he had some wise sayings. So just because you hear this doesn't mean that they all accept Jesus, just like people in the Bible. And both the lost and saved can want to build religious buildings. The lost and saved, according to this context, also can have trials. <laughs> As you look in the Bible in the Old Testament, all the people who didn't appreciate God got wiped away in, the, in Noah's flood because there is such a thing as love and patience, kindness, and forgiveness. But even God at some point said, now nah, the flood's coming. And sometimes as church people who are just like overly nice, sometimes we forget that God has boundaries and right and wrong. 
and he actually killed women and there was babies and men and like every single animal and human died at Noah's flood except like eight people. Um, you go through trials whether you like Jesus or not. Matthew 7 verse 27 When the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, it fell because as you read the previous couple of verses, um, the group in the wide way, they did not build on the rock, which was Jesus. And so it fell and great was its fall. And why is Jesus saying the fall was so great? Jesus is saying the fall was so great because at least in the initial context, Uh, According to him in verse 13 and 14, most of them were not accepting Jesus, so they were in the wide gate and they were lost. (laughs) And so when it fell, um, they were shocked because they thought and assumed because they were doing their best to be obedient to save themselves that they'd be saved. And so when they weren't, they were shocked. How could people like us be saved? I mean, look what we did. I mean, I I quit doing drugs and I, I quit doing that and I... I just told a, a, a Uber driver yesterday they should you know, accept Jesus. And, and they were thinking their works would get them. And when they realized it didn't, it was too late for at least some of them. And unfortunately, again, I wish it was just Jesus stories. Years ago when I was in a different church, it was a totally different state in a different area. <coughs> I had these two church members both were ladies. Uh, Noreen, she uh, was a nurse and she used to, I forget what the, her title was, but she used to be the head nurse of an entire wing of a hospital, whatever that title is. <coughs> and then she, you know, got older and did it for many years and retired from that. And then she transitioned, she was doing some home health care and she went into the homes of people and helped them. Well, it just happened, so happened one of her clients was another church member of mine because they were both church members. And as Noreen was in the home of this other church member, which I won't say her name, though she's passed away now, she's no longer living. Um, Noreen was in the home of this other church member. Um, she was in her 80s at the time. And um, as she was doing her thing, she noticed that this other church member who was in her 80s, this woman, this elderly lady, that she was crying and in a really bad, bad place. <laughs> so there's any normal caring human being as well as healthcare providers like you know, trying to, and their church members are like, well, you know, why are you crying? Why are you so depressed? Why are you so sad? How, you know, is there anything I could do to help? You know, et cetera. <laughs> and so she, uh, she said, well, I'm, I'm depressed and I'm crying and I'm sad. Because, and this was literally, and I, when I hear these stories, I write them down and I save them to try and help me remember these things. So, and this was literally her quote. She said, uh, she said, quote, um, and she's in her 80s, and she goes to the same denomination you do, or used to when she was alive, in her 80s. And she said, quote, I have not done enough to be saved. That was her, imagine those of you, imagine those of you who are not 80 years old yet. Um, if, if you think that your behavior gets you saved, that's what you get forward to look to when you get to be 80 and you're retired. And she literally said, oh, she's crying and she's, I I haven't done enough. I don't think I'll be saved. (laughs) Now by typical church standards, no one would consider her lazy. She rarely missed a day of church in her life. She worked so she could put herself through schools, Christian schools, And she worked to put her sister through Christian schools. (laughs) She read her Bible. I'm not sure what part she was reading, but she read her Bible. She read her quarterly. I mean, that's, I mean, she read her quarterly. (laughs) She helped in lots of ways. She was one of the rare remnant that paid tithe and offerings. She did lots of wonderful stuff at church. And yet after 80 years her grand conclusion, knowing her life was nearing the end, because she had lots of surgeries. She even had lots of her joints replaced. I don't remember which ones, hips and elbows and knees. And she, she, she <coughs> had a lot of health issues. And her health was going down so much, she couldn't even drive anymore. And, and literally after all that life experience, religious churchy 
not Jesus' experience, but religious churchy experience. Her grand conclusion of 80-some years old was, I haven't done enough, and I wish I had more strength, energy, time, and money so I could do more that maybe in my last few years I could finally do enough to convince myself and, of course, God, the ultimate stinker, convince him to finally like me so I can be saved. And unfortunately, I bump into too many people that their response, and I've heard them say it verbally, not only to me, but in a group full of witnesses. Too many people, when they hear something like that, would literally say some version that is rooted in the same thing. Let's pray together. God will make you stronger. In case you have forgotten, when, when church is over today, uh, Google, because I'm sure you've got smartphones, so everybody does. <coughs> Google the nearest cemetery and just swing by a cemetery. I don't think it's raining. It's not that cold, really. <coughs> and so just look at a few headstones and ask yourself, is Barbara or Tom or Juan or Jesus or Felipe or any of those people wrestling or struggling? Would they be struggling, Destiny? Any of those people that are buried in the ground, would they be wrestling about anything about the future? No. And why? Because they're, you can say it. Why, why not? They're what? They're dead. And the Bible's painfully clear, yet I, I, most people have missed it somehow. Christians are supposed to be dead to themselves and to their sin. And dead people don't wonder, I wonder if I'm a good person. Dead people don't wonder about that. Dead people aren't hung up on those things. You know who are? This is really easy. The kids could answer this. What kind of people are concerned about all those kind of things? Anybody? I feel like breaking onto a small group here. Anybody? You can shout it out or raise your hand either way. <laughs> what kind of person? Uh, someone's poking on Ariel. Have you got, have you got it? Y- your daughter thinks so. People who are alive worry. <clears throat> People who are alive worry. But if we're dead to self and it's Jesus living in you, Jesus has no problem taking you wherever he wants, including heaven. But only living people, as they look at themselves, say, oh, I'm not sure, I haven't done enough yet, I need to do more. Dead people don't have those thoughts going through their brain because Ecclesiastes 9.5 is painfully clear, yet the world has forgotten it. And even Adventists are kind of forgetting it. If you think I'm lying or exaggerating, ask yourself the next time you struggle with the sin. Dead people don't struggle with sin. Last time I checked, the living know they're going to die, but the dead know nothing. <coughs> nothing. So back to the story, <coughs> Noreen is hearing this from this church member in her 80s. They're both Adventists. And uh, she said, I haven't done enough to be saved. <coughs> and so Noreen, praise God, had <coughs> been taught actually about Jesus' death and resurrection. So she, she said, well, well, how about we have a Bible study so we can, um, you know, share Jesus with you, which I don't know, how do you say that without that not sounding offensive to an 80-year-old person who's been in the denomination for years? You can say, well, let me share Jesus with you so you can, you know, share Jesus with you. <coughs> Let's get back to the basics. After 80 years, somehow you missed it. That steps on toes. Would you rather her be lost? I don't know, how do you, I mean, uh, go look at John 3 and Jesus talked to Nicodemus. He was offended, but he told a lot of truth. He was really nice about it. The problem was Nicodemus was really heightened like a balloon, and Jesus needed to pop that. <coughs> and unfortunately, sometimes Adventists are like a hot air balloon, and we just need Jesus to come along and kind of... Because we're so puffed up with... And it's so nice, we got the Saturday. And so did the Jews, but most of them didn't like Jesus. There'll be people in heaven who are just crazy about Jesus. Ah, and then when they get to heaven at some point, years down the road, God's going to be like, all right, let me sit a few, let me, you know, there's some stuff you missed. 
about healthy eating, how to treat people, um, what happens when you die. And there's some people who are going to have to be like, whoa, how did I miss that? But guess what? They'll be in heaven and they'll get to hear it. But there'll be some people, God help us, who have a lot of info, who are really churchy, really religious. Wow. But Jesus will say in John 7, 23, uh, do, I, do, I, do we know each other? I'm the one that keeps the Sabbath. Now, yeah, but I'm looking for people that actually like me. <laughs> for a honeymoon, I want to have a, for, for eternity, I want to have a honeymoon with people, appropriate, spiritual, God-like type. We don't know each other. And moral, ethical people know you just can't run up to any young, awesome woman in the mall and say, woo, we're getting married tonight, honeymoon. No, 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 no. Which is why the ten, you have the parable of the 10 virgins. You can't just run in at the last minute and say, I want to live forever. Uh, uh, I, I, I did some stuff. The only question, the only question is, do you like me? And people that spend their life trying to prove how good they are are not focused on how much God likes them. They're trying to spend their time trying to prove that they're not that bad and God really should try to save them. <coughs> so anyway, back to the story of Nora and this lady. <laughs> so Nora said, hey, <coughs> I'm sorry you're, you're feeling this way, but it's good news. Um, let's have a Bible study and we can help you so you can have that confidence. Uh, you don't have to go another 80 years. You don't even have to go another 80 days or 80 weeks or 80 hours <coughs> or even eight days. Let's call the pastor. We can have a Bible study and, and so we can help. So she was willing to actually get into her Bible. It's hard to find people who get into their, in America, I don't know what it's like everywhere else, but in America, it's hard for people to even come to church. You realize at best 35 to 40% of church-going remnant people only go to church, 35, 40%. And then when you look at uh, who actually comes and wants to study the Bible during the week, the numbers really shrink. But anyway, she was one of those rare people, at least for a while, she said, yeah, I'll study the Bible. So it was Tuesdays. I can't remember if it was two o'clock or three o'clock. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, so uh, Noreen and I studied the Bible with her every Tuesday uh, for an hour. Uh, it was either from two to three or three to four. And anyway, and we were literally going through the study. We're going to be going through as, we're, as I'm doing this sermon right here um, for the next several months. This is what I was teaching her. And three weeks, uh, anyway, so we went for three weeks. And even after the first week, I couldn't believe it. You'll think I'm exaggerating, and that's perfectly fine. People didn't always, you know, agree with what Jesus said either. So, but she was starting to smile. I'd never seen her smile. Uh, and I had pastored there for years. Um, I don't know why some people don't smile. She's one of those people that never smiled. Um, and, and as I said, her health was really bad. And literally within those first one, two, three weeks, her health was getting better. I realize that sounds exaggerating, but Jesus did miracles and people walked and people still say, oh, there's some exaggeration. But anyway, she, her health was actually getting better. A nurse was there to prove it. Um, she could walk again. She could drive again. She smiled. I mean, her life was just, woo, totally different. It was just amazing what Jesus can do when we actually are willing to trust him and not put selfish me first, but just put on religious clothes. <laughs> so anyway, within three weeks, she was a different person. It was so amazing. I just love it. <laughs> and we didn't even get to any of the other stuff yet because it was only three weeks in. But the Holy Spirit and God are so amazing. She couldn't help it. She called up her sister and she called up her daughter <laughs> because she uh, raised her daughter so unhealthy because she was unhealthy. Her daughter didn't go to church which is no condemnation. It's no surprise. If that's your understanding of God, that, that you're a bad person and God doesn't like you and you're never getting to heaven, I could see why someone wouldn't want to go to church either. Um, so anyway, her daughter had quit going. And, but anyway, the, this woman was so excited. She called her daughter. She called her sister. And she's like, for the first time in my life, I actually think I'm saved. Oh, she, she's so happy. It's just like bursting out of her. She's smiling. She, oh my word. It was awesome. And there's more to the story, but I, I don't dare say it on camera because, um, yeah, it's not my time to die yet. Um, and so anyway, um, she's sharing with her family members and just, oh, God is so good. I don't know how I've missed it. 
I'm kind of imagining the disciples and some of the Jews who did accept Jesus. Like, it's everywhere. And they're probably thinking, how do we miss it? So she's like, oh, I get it now. And it's just, ah. And she's an elderly woman in her 80s. She was conservative. That wasn't, that didn't mean she's out clubbing and doing sin. I don't know why people say, well, if it's only Jesus, you know, they get into sin. Last time I checked, Jesus is the only human that never got into sin. When, when Paul accepted Jesus, he actually stopped persecuting the church. He stopped dividing the church, pretending he was doing God a favor because Paul was awesome at causing divisions. And woo, could he quote himself a verse or two as he killed women and children and imprisoned people, dividing the church, thinking he was doing God a favor. And you know what happened after he accepted Jesus? He didn't. So accepting Jesus doesn't cause mischief. It gets rid of mischief and grows in goodness. But it's not our our goodness, it's Jesus' goodness. But anyway, so she's talking to her sister and her daughter and just celebrating this goodness of Jesus. And her both, at different times, different days, and, and, and her sister and her daughter both told her, well, you've got to quit. I don't know where you're getting this. I mean, if, if all of a sudden her daughter who doesn't go to church is a theologian, and, and, yeah, and her sister, which blows my mind if you knew who the sister was, <laughs> both of them said, oh, you've got to stop that study. You're studying the Bible and the Christian Bible is saying Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? And you're happy for the first time in over 80 years? You, mother, sister, we are, we are quite concerned. Please, for our sake, we love you. You're getting in your 80s. Clearly thinking Jesus is enough. You're not thinking clearly. You know, as we all get older, we kind of get to the point where you need family to step in. This was their tipping point, that she was comfortable with Jesus to get her to heaven. So they, please let us, as your sister and your daughter, help you. You must quit the study. So we showed up next week, and of course, she was just as beaten down as ever before. Like someone had just stolen her car, stolen her savings account, <coughs> stolen her picture of the Ten Commandments on the wall, um, cut her um, and, and put a, like a devil swastika on the wall. Uh, it just, it was really bad for her. She's sad again. I don't remember if she's crying or not, but just very sad. Smile's gone, super depressed again. <laughs> and so before I could say anything, Noreen noticed it because she got it there before I did because she was the home health worker. And so Noreen said, oh, my dear, oh, what's happened in the last week? You, you just look so different all over again. What's happened in the last week? And so she shared the story and how she shared the good news of Jesus with her sister and her daughter and how they insisted, you really must quit. <laughs> and so <laughs> as a pastor, um, often people think, oh, your job's so easy, you probably go out and play golf all the day, but it'd be nice to be a pastor. Well, the good news is, from what I hear, there's a shortage of pastors in America. So if you want to go for it, go be a pastor. <laughs> um, but anyway, I had one of these wonderful opportunities where I, I was kind of stuck in a unique place. <coughs> and I said, well, and I said her name. I said, I'm, I'm, I really am busy. Um, I said, uh, you know, I don't have to be here. Uh, so I said, it's totally up to you because God always gives people a choice to make a good one and even a bad one. In heaven, he gave the angels a choice and a third of them are like, this heaven and God is terrible. He always gives people a choice. So I gave her a choice. So I said, you know, it's, it's whatever. I said, if you know what, you know, how things have been going. For the last three weeks, for the first time in your life, you're smiling. And for the first time in over 80 years, you actually think and have confidence because of the Bible that you'll be saved. So if you want to keep having a study, we can do that. But I said, it's also you know, very possible if you want to quit and you can return to what you've been experiencing and feeling for the last 80 years and you want to stop, you absolutely have every right to do that. I said, I, I've never <coughs> forced anybody to look at Jesus and I certainly don't want to, you know, force you to look at Jesus if you're not interested. <coughs> and as a, as a very conservative uh, American proper, mature, sophisticated, etiquette, moral, ethical, churchy, religious person, and very appropriately, um, she said she should quit. She said it real nice. 
But even if you're nice and even if you're polite and your response is, I want to quit Jesus. That's not nice. Not for me. It doesn't affect my salvation. But it's not, it's not helpful to her. Of course, her health went downhill and so did her smile and most everything else. John 17, verse 3. <coughs> One more of the many, many Bible verses that Jesus makes clear. This is eternal life. That they may know you. Here's that word to know again, that personal, close, intimate honeymoon. That, what's eternal life? To close, personally, intimately, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. <laughs> the early believers, the early believers who accepted Jesus, as they accepted Jesus by faith alone, they knew Jesus was the way. That's why as you look in the, in the book of Acts, as Luke wrote the book of Acts, before they were ever called Christians, those people were called people of the way because they knew the way through life, they knew, they knew the way through the sanctuary, and they knew the way into heaven was Jesus because as Jesus said, he is the way. So if you were to look in Acts 9, 1 and 2, or if you were to look in Acts 19, 9 and 23, or Acts 22, 4, or Acts 24, 14 and 22, many, many verses <coughs> where the early believers were referred to as people of the way because they so closely associated the way through life and heaven, up into heaven, is Jesus the way, not our human behavior. <coughs> and so I'm so happy, so fortunate that I am to be here uh, and to be able to uh, meet people and be with people that know and realize and celebrate that Jesus is that way. And Jesus does that for lots of different people. And uh, some of the people Jesus is doing it with is um, Tarson. You want to stand up, Tarson? So here's one of the people. And uh, Aiden, where's Aiden at? Here we go. So here's two young men. <clears throat> Not because of me, because of Jesus has been touching their hearts. They have wanted to express their desire to be baptized. Now, of course, their, their parents and family members have been praying and talking to them, and they have been coming to church for years. And so they're, today they're going to get baptized in the next few minutes because they want to express publicly that they do like Jesus. Amen? And that they do think the way through this life and the way into heaven is just simply accepting Jesus by faith. And they know that as they continue to accept Jesus, Jesus gets them out of bad stuff. Just because we accept Jesus doesn't mean that's a license to get into bad decisions and say, it's a good thing Jesus forgives me. No, 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 no. Jesus grows us into good. He grows us into good. So if you guys want to start getting your stuff ready for the baptismal and then uh, uh, the, the musical group, if you want to come up, we're going to sing <laughs> the song. And then after you sing, then I'll pray and then we're going to be ready for the baptismal.